This is radioblogging.net. It's 9.30 on Wednesday, the 6th of May 2020, and we are live. Welcome to show 31. It's Murray Wednesday, and we're not talking the tennis player. Welcome to Radio Blogging, daily shows with interactive activities to keep everyone busy and engaged. Brought to you by Pi Corbett, David Mitchell, Ian Rocky, and Russell Prue. Just listen and blog. It's live, fun, and interactive. And with new educational tasks every day, just head over to radioblogging.net to listen and find out more. And a very good morning to you, bloggers. Thank you so much indeed. Show 31. It's going to be a good one. We do, do enjoy broadcasting this and bringing this to you. And thank you so much indeed for all of you and all of your support. We really do appreciate that. And especially, I wanted to say a big thank you to the fabulous Sue Hardy Dawson, who yesterday left over 40 responses on the Padlets for your writing. How cool is that? Absolutely, Sue. Thank you so much indeed. She was really worried that she wasn't seeing her responses last night and was terribly apologetic. And there was no need for that at all, Sue. We just had to get round to approving them. Listeners, even famous poets and authors' responses have to be approved by the team. And we were just overwhelmed yesterday by the response, which we love being. We love being overwhelmed. It's just so absolutely brilliant. And thank you so much indeed. Uh, Listeners, do revisit your Padlet posts and see what um, Sue has written and perhaps even you could comment back to her that would just be superb I know she's joining us again today because she wanted to see the reaction to that and I think that's just been absolutely amazing thank you so much indeed and something else we'd also like you to get behind today we are starting to tag the Secretary of State for Education into our tweets now because all all mentions all tweets to the department have fallen on deaf ears haven't received a penny or even one piece of support from them not even a small tweet at listeners i know not even a tweet at nothing from them at all so we decided perhaps this morning russell decided this morning it's time to go to the boss so let's go round the outside to the boss you'll find a tweet tagged uh, from me this morning at russell prue if you want to get on the back of that and just perhaps tag the minister in himself that would be really appreciated if you're enjoying the show of course if you're not let us know what we can do to make it even better time to meet the professor this morning ian rocky how are you sir <laughs> i'm very well was that all right did i get over the top just let me know no, not at all. I, I'll, I'll take any title it's great looking forward to today's show i'm loving this this is such a a great experience lovely to be on air presenting to our friends and listeners every single day no it is fabulous it really really is you're very and welcome such a treat brilliant and it's free listeners there's no registration we do not need your inside leg measurement or your credit card details it's free <laughs> it's free at the point of use ladies and gentlemen it's so important to us absolutely the brilliant deputy mitchell is also there how's the system holding up sir uh, all green lights this morning, Russell. Everything going well. Um, yes, we're looking forward to uh, an action-packed day uh, today. We had an amazing day yesterday. A big shout-out, like you said, to Sue Hardy-Dawson for her contributions last night. Mm. I couldn't believe it when I went back no. on, and I saw about 40 responses. And I'm not talking about little responses. Some of them yeah. were like a page long, I know. Uh, replying back to people. It was phenomenal. Great interaction. So, yes, I encourage people just go back through you can uh, at some point when we finish go back to live shows on the orange tab 
go back to yesterday's and find that that um, padlet, uh, the response padlet, and have a look, and you can reply. And I'll make sure I go back on later and approve any others. But yes, really looking forward to today's show, Russell. Can't wait. Like like a secret Santa present et has been left for you. Pop back and have a look. It's just amazing to see what a top author has written about your work. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, And don't forget, listeners, we are live tomorrow at 9.30 in the morning and then again at 6. And this is just going to have such an incredibly different meaning when we play this to our USA audience. Time for a slice of pie. Start the day with a slice of pie. This is radioblogging.net. Hello, how are you, sir? Well, I, I'm fine. I'm in good fettle this morning, but I did have a panicky moment a few minutes ago, and I don't know, I sent you a little message saying, Russell, keep waffling. I did. I did. <laughs> you can always count on extra waffle service from Russell. Did I do it sufficiently? You did it very, very well. You are the waffler extraordinaire. Good man. Um, it was, uh, the computer went. I mean, teachers and children, you'll know this, and mums and dads at home, just at the moment when you really need it all going, it goes blank on you. Why did it do that? I have no clue at all. I, 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 I blame Gerald. He's been nibbling the cables. I know he is. Where is he? Because yesterday morning, if you remember, Russell, we saw he was sighted in the house um, in the around the back by the boiler where mm. he hides up. And there's been further excavations and there is quite a big hole. And I've been summoned after doing this show. I will be uh, filling the hole in because underneath the house, there is what looks like a huge cave. Uh, the old part of the house has this huge space. It's just earth right underneath it. The whole thing, I, go, I could just disappear through the floorboards at any moment. So we better crack on, uh, <laughs> Russell, before I disappear through, through the floorboards. I think we better start with a couple of games. With creative games. Play and Sorry. try with Ian and Pie. So for those of you who uh, haven't joined us before, you're very, very welcome. And we always start with a couple of games. And the idea is the professor and I uh, play the games, uh, make some notes, jot ideas down. And then when we've modeled playing the games for you, there's a bit of an interlude and you play the games at home or in school. But just before we do that, I'm going to say hello to Toby, Bethany, Claire and Andrew. Hi there. Good to have you on board uh, with us. And also mention that it is Jack V's birthday. Happy birthday to you. Professor, are you ready to play the games? Uh, good morning, Doctor. I am ready for my <laughs> literacy checkup. <laughs> oh, dear. OK, so the first game is the old adverb game. We're going to try and create a story, but each sentence has to start with an adverb. So here we go. Silently, Skater tiptoed out of the house. Carefully, he made his way down the path. Cautiously, he paused at the end of the path and stared up and down the road. Stealthily, he slipped between the shadows cast by the trees. Hmm. Um, boldly, he jumped. He, boldly, he jumped over the small fence and made his way up to the abandoned house. Curiously, Skater found a bright silver key glinting in the sun. In my head, he was in the darkness. Now he's in the sun. We've had a sudden change. I've lost the thread of the whole thing anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's too late. 
I quite enjoy the, playing that because it, it is a nice little writing trick, isn't it? To uh, niftily put an adverb up the up the, up the front of a sentence. Of course, if you do it too often, it just just sounds plain daft. But every now and then, and the thing about the adverbs is you can shift them around a sentence. So you can go silently skater tiptoed out of the house or skater silently tiptoed out of the house or skater tiptoed out of the house silently. So they move around the sentence potentially. I like putting them up front because if you, as soon as you say silently skater tiptoed, the reader is thinking, why is he being silent? What's he doing? Does he want no one to hear him? I think it's a nifty little trick. So that's the adverb game. Try and create a story. It's quite difficult. Uh, if it all goes wrong, then just start again. The second one is we're going to look at fears. Now, um, Struan Murray, who I know is listening. Good morning, sir. And um, I'll be talking through what we do, Struan. So holding your hand every step of the way there. But Struan's going to be reading from Orphans of the Tide, which is a very, very strong book, a very powerful book, probably uh, for the older uh, age range that uh, we have on radio with us this morning. Um, and a very strong book, fantastically written, edge of the seat stuff. Um, and it's quite scary in places. So I thought we'd do some I am afraid of. So and try and pick out when you do it things that are real, that you are actually afraid of. So here we go. I'm afraid of snakes that move quickly and, uh, and hiss. I am afraid of climbing to vast heights. Mm. Yeah, I don't like that either. I'm afraid of stairs that creak in the middle of the night and wake you up. I am afraid of the dentist's drill. Oh, that's a good one. I hate that sound. Mm. Uh, oh. Yeah, I loathe it, that high-pitched whine. I am afraid of wasps buzzing around when I'm eating. I am afraid of the noisy air horn on a lorry. I'm afraid of cars that drive too close, or cars and lorries that drive too close behind me. Mm. Yeah, I am afraid of crashing thunder. I am afraid of treading on glass when something has been smashed. Mm. I am afraid of camembert-fueled mice. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I do sneak something half-daft in. Okay, so we got two lovely little games there, the adverb game and the I am afraid of. Try and go for real things that you actually are afraid of. It's a bit easy just to say, I'm afraid of vampires. Um, that's a bit of a cliche, really. So try and go, try and think, let your mind roam. Try and think of things that really are horrible and you really don't like. So, Russell, while everybody's playing the games, what have you got for us? Ah, some music pie for this occasion, Ooh. I have to say. Time to get those feet tapping. They're back. The Muppets are here. Hi, I'm Struan Murray. I'm the author of Orphans of the Tide, and you're listening to radioblogging.net. Oh, fantastic stuff. You know I love that, um, the Muppet thing. It, it just, it does get the feet tapping. And as soon as that sound, that music comes on, a great big fat grin comes across my face. Absolutely love it. Well, everybody's been playing those games at home. 
and think about using those adverbs, but also think about shifting them around the sentences to get the effect that you uh, would like. Now, at the end of each session, Stern, there's an opportunity for children to record something that they have written. And yesterday, um, as you will have heard, we had the fabulous uh, Sue on. And um, at the end of it, um, we asked children to record a poetry performance built around one of Sue's poems. Where do you get ideas from? Where do ideas come from? Which is the most common question all authors get asked, of course. Russell, did we get anything recorded yesterday? Oh, yes, we did. And thank you so much indeed once more for the additional sound effects in their broadcast. <laughs> uh, not too much of a challenge this time. There's a great one for Arthur is up first and this is just good. Hi, I'm Sue Hardy-Dawson. I'm a children's poet and you're listening to radioblogging.net. Where do I find my ideas? In tea leaves, a crisp pack. Breakfast bowls, a bacon bap. In raindrops, roof gutters. River banks, window shutters. In a swallow's chorus, a cat's whine. Vulture's talons, a magpie's lie. In a blanket of clouds, a winter moon, the tip of a mountain, the wind's tune. How did he do with that one then? Hmm? Wow, mm -hmm. that was so good, wasn't it? Crisp, clear, every word. I love the little rhyming pattern. He absolutely nailed that. The one that stood out for me was the magpie's lie. Yes. Yeah, wasn't that clever, eh? Fantastic stuff. Well done, Arthur. Really, really good. And I ought to mention our friend Liz Brownlee, who's been on the programme, uh, I think, a couple of times. If you just Google Poetry Roundabout, she's doing a poetry competition. And some of the things that, um, um, that have been written uh, could be popped into that uh, just straight away. So uh, Poetry Roundabout, look for that on the internet, Poetry Competition there. Well done, Arthur. Fantastic stuff. I think you've got another, haven't you? I uh, have. Russell? This is mm. Bethany. She's nine years old, and this is her ideas poem. I get my ideas from old trees, noxious feet, blossom petals, a song feet, the snip of scissors, a tiny nook. A pang of guilt, an inspiring book, clip of a horse, a singing bell, some browning leaves, a poor print trail, crunching snow, a bleeding thumb, that's where I get my ideas from. Really getting in on the rhythm there. Works, doesn't it? Yeah, it does absolutely work. The rhythm is very attractive. Of course, the difficult bit there is you've got to keep the rhythm going and you've also got to keep the words as crisp and clear as you possibly can. That's about it's a bit about sound balance there, isn't it, Russell? Oh, yes. Thank you for that. You're very nice. <laughs> the, the credit will appear at the end of the show. It's fine. As we said yesterday, it's the creativity that's important to us. Let the technologists sort out the audio mix, even if it did take two and a half hours. That was fantastic performance. Well done, Bethany. Bethany. That was marvellous. Now, are we ready to move on? Yes. OK, so I think that we now should move on to um the uh, introducing struan and i've got his novel here with me it's his first book struan murray it's called orphans of the tide 
And as I say, it's strong stuff. It's the sort of story I would have thought. But, um, yeah, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 would really, really enjoy. Um, possibly for younger children, if mum or dad are reading it with them as well or as a class reader. Um, and I just better mention the response padlet, hadn't I? Struan and everybody, you need to be, if you look at the very top of the page, we're back on the computer here, uh, along that menu it says today's show, click on that. So you're on today's show. And if you just go down a little bit, there's a small picture of a bluish door. It says activity one. Just above that, there is an orange box that says Struan Murray response. So just click once on that, Struan. And up comes... Uh, a sunset picture, Struan Murray response. Now, this is where w the children are going to respond to your reading because you're reading, um, you're reading uh, the first chapter. And to do the response, if you've not been with us before, and Struan, I know you'll want to send some messages back to the children. So what you do is, can you see that pink circle with the plus mark? Just click on that. Up comes a um a box in the middle it says title that's where you put your name pie that's me and then you drop the cursor down to where it says write something that's where you're going to write in a moment and, and all the children are going to give a response uh to uh the reading so when we're giving our responses really anything goes in terms of thinking about what did you like about that um what do you like about the story what do you think is going to happen next um, how did it make you feel? What would you say to the main character? What advice would you give, perhaps, to the main character? There are all sorts of possibilities, different ways in which we can respond. Sometimes we've had children taking sentences and copying the sentences, imitating the sentences, doing using the pattern and doing something slightly different. Sometimes people choose out juicy phrases they love or jot down puzzles, things they're not certain about, um, or images that it created inside their mind. So it's very, very open in terms of response. And um, we are strewn to read from uh, the first chapter because um, we felt that um, if we go anywhere else, we're going to get a spoiler. And we've stopped it um, not quite at the very end. I'll explain that in a little uh, in a moment, we stopped, stopped it on an absolute breathtaking moment. So I think we really need to hear the reading and the children can respond as and when they wish. This is radioblogging.net. Hi there, um, my name is Struan Murray and I'm the author of Orphans of the Tide. Um, which I'm now going to read to you. So uh, I'm going to read you the first chapter of the novel. So here we go. Chapter one, its last song. The city was built on a sharp mountain that jutted improbably from the sea, and the sea kept trying to claim it back. When the tide rose, it swallowed up the city's lower streets. When the tide fell, it spat them back out again, but left its mark. Fresh mussels clung to windowsills, Fish flailed on the cobblestones. That grey morning, once the tide had retreated, a whale was found on a rooftop. A crowd gathered along the top of the seawall to gape at the roof below. It's an evil omen, yelled the old preacher, his breath steaming in the air. The enemy didn't do this, snorted a sailor. It must have got stuck there at high tide. It's dead, said a merchant. Do you think we can sell it for meat? 
The whale lay on its belly, stretched from one end of the roof to the other. It had beached itself on the chapel of St. Bartholomew, whose rooftop poked above the uh, waves at low tide. Four stone gargoyles stood at each corner, two of them digging sharply into the whale's skin. Hungry seagulls screeched overhead. The crowd was so engrossed that none of them noticed the girl's arrival. She had tired eyes and tangled, dirty blonde hair, mussed up from a night of broken sleep. She leaned over the seawall and bit her lip. It's too big to be out of the water, she said, speaking more to herself than anyone else. It'll have crushed its lungs just by lying there. A tiny, wide-eyed boy next to her looked up in horror. He nestled close to his mother's side, watching the girl warily. Her face was pale, with three red scratches down one cheek, and she smelled faintly of fireworks. What was worse, she was dressed like a man, and not an upstanding one either. She wore a frayed crimson scarf and a coat that was long and hooded, stitched together from weathered cloth and grey sealskin. Who are you? said the boy, his lips quivering. I'm Ellie, she said distractedly, rummaging in her coat pockets. She pulled out a magnifying glass, an onion, and finally a penknife with a razor-sharp edge. The boy reached for his mother's hand. If we don't cut this whale open soon, said Ellie, holding up the knife, it will explode. The boy began to cry. Watch your mouth, girl, said his mother. No, really, it will, said Ellie, raising her hands. Dead whales start to decay from the inside. There will be a dangerous build-up of gas. The mother turned away, covering her mouth with the back of her hand. I know, said Ellie. There'll be guts everywhere, and you wouldn't believe the smell. Hmm, she added, staring down at the penknife. On second thoughts, Ellie turned to a second girl standing behind her. She looked to be the same age, twelve or thirteen maybe, with a mess of curly ginger hair. She wore a huge woolen blue jumper, heavy black boots, and a bored expression. Anna, I need you to run back to the workshop and get me my flensing tool, said Ellie. What's a flensing tool, said Anna, yawning. It's a sharp blade on the end of a long pole, said Ellie. It's in the loft beside the bookcases, hanging below a telescope and a rifle. You have a rifle, said Anna, leaning forward, suddenly interested. And bullets? Just hurry, all right, said Ellie. And Anna rolled her eyes and slouched off up the street. Ellie hopped onto the seawall, then dropped down the other side. The crowd gasped as she landed on the roof of the, te- of the chapel, ten feet below. What is she doing, said a woman. Ellie had, held out her hands to steady herself stepping along the rooftop like a tightrope walker. The whale's eyes were closed, eyelids wrinkled and creased like those of an old man. She knelt, drawing one hand delicately along the whale's side. Its skin was hard, covered in white barnacles and crisscrosses of scar tissue. What's going on here, said a man above. Ellie glanced up and saw a young city guardsman nudging his way through the crowd, gawky and big-eared dressed in a black cap and dark blue greatcoat. There's a whale on the roof, said a woman. That girl's gone down to it, said another. What? the guardsman said. Then he looked down and noticed Ellie on the roof. What? What is she doing? He clapped his hands to his head. Watch out, miss. That whale will eat you. Whales don't eat people, Ellie sighed, but no one heard. They were all talking over each other now. 
The whale's massive body rose and fell beneath her hand as it drew a ragged breath. It was still alive. Ellie looked around, wondering if it was possible to get the whale back in the water. A ship might have been able to pull it free when the tide came back in, but that was hours away. I'm sorry, she whispered. I wish I could help. As she spoke, Ellie thought she heard something faint coming from inside the whale. The clamour of the crowd made it impossible to be sure. Get away from it, the guardsman yelled, though he seemed too afraid to climb down to the roof himself. I think you should drag her off. Someone call the Inquisition. Please, I'm trying to listen, said Ellie. The preacher said whales could breathe fire. Please, Ellie yelled, but no one paid her any attention. She pulled a marble-sized device from her pocket, wrapped in yellow paper. With a flick of her wrist, she hurled it up at the seawall. There was a crack and a flash of light and a riot of frenzied screeching as the seagulls fled. The crowd staggered back and shielded their eyes, shocked into silence. Ellie held up her hand. Listen, she said. And so they all did. And in the silence, they could hear it drifting towards them. It was the whale. The whale was singing. It was a melodious, mournful rise and fall reverberating from deep within the creature. Ellie had heard whales sing before, but never one out of water. She had thought it was part of some mating ritual, yet here was this dying whale singing for whose benefit she could not guess. They all listened in awe for many long minutes. Then the whale opened its eye. Incredible, Ellie whispered. The eye was the dark blue of a cold sea. It focused on her. She could have sworn it. And all she knew was that was its gaze and that song. And for those few wondrous moments, all the pain inside her seemed to go away. The song grew quieter, as if it were drifting off to the horizon. The eye closed. The tail stopped moving. And all was silent, even the sea. Hi, I'm Struan Murray. I'm the author of Orphans of the Tide, and you're listening to radioblogging.net. Wow. That, that was, I found that quite moving um, towards the end uh, of that bit there, when the eye closes and all was silent, even the sea. Uh, I got a lump in my throat. That really drew me in. Fantastic uh, reading. That's not quite the end of the uh, chapter, because what happens next is that she realizes that um, the gases inside the whale um, are building up and building up. And in order to release the gases, she then has to take, um, well, basically make a hole in the whale to release the gas. Uh, and then a really, really uh, amazing piece happens, which I'll, I'll leave you to read that yourselves. But do remember, it's a book, it's, it's strong meat in this book for older children. So elegantly written, so beautifully written. So I'm um, back to the response, Padlet. I know children will already strew and be giving you responses. I'm going to write in there. Um, just simply, that gave me a lump in my throat. I've always loved, so I'm always loved uh, whales, such huge and beautiful creatures. Um, okay, and before you post it, folks, just make sure you double check that you reread. David, um, Deputy Mitchell can see absolutely everything that you are typing now. 
and he will be just checking all the post-its that they say uh, something sensible, uh, nothing silly can get past his eagle eye, uh, and make sure that you reread it before you post. Double check for those capital letters, full stops, the spellings. Have you got every single word absolutely as you want it? That gave me a lump in my throat. I've always loved whales. Such huge and beautiful creatures. And then click somewhere else and it says awaiting approval. Now, what will happen, um, Struan, is you'll sit there and it'll <laughs> there'll, there'll either be nothing or, or your one comment. So what you have to do every now and then is go to the very top of the page where it says radioblogging.net, right at the very top, look across and there's a semicircle with an arrow, click on that and that refreshes the page. And when you refresh the page already, there are a very large number of comments that have come up. There's a good 20, if not 30 comments that have come up from different people out there. Um, and I agree with you, Chloe. I loved how everything uh, was described um, to Lula. What inspired you to write this? Well, in a moment, we are going to have, I think I'm right in saying, um, you've got your um, interview, Russell, haven't you? And, and in that, um, there is, uh, Struan talks about how he came to write uh, the novel. Indeed he does. And listeners, get those uh, posts up as soon as you can, but do correct everything because Struan is actually on the site right now and he's actually writing, so you could get a response from him. I caught up with him immediately after the reading and this is what he had to say. And there we go. And there we go, indeed. This is your first book and I loved it. Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. How long have you had this book in you? Oh, uh, well, I started writing it about five years ago now. Um after a few or a few uh, sort of i ended up watching quite a few youtube videos about what happens to whales when they uh sadly die on land mm. um which as you just heard is that they explode unless someone cuts them open um and i thought that, that was just a perfect way to start a, a story um and then i thought okay well I got struck by this, stuck with this image of a, of a whale on a on a rooftop, and then from there I had all these questions that I immediately needed to answer, like you know why why was the whale there, and mm. what sort of person might know to cut a whale open to stop it exploding, um, and that kind of triggered the sort of sequence of questions that led to me getting you know excited about my own story and wanting to start writing it. Wow, just amazing! Absolutely amazing. I, I was—I uh, actually had my hands over my eyes whilst <laughs> I was listening to it, thinking, "Is he going to get away with this?" And I think you actually <laughs> have. I think you have. It was published just this year. So, uh, how's it going yeah. generally? I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, I think I, I think so. It was um, it was uh, Sunday Times Book of the Week and Times Book of the Week. Um, which was fantastic, and it's received lots of very uh, lots of nice things have been said about it. Good, um, good. Well, if it took that long by, to if it took that long yeah. to write, then it jolly well should. I have to say, <laughs> it, it really good. Th thank you so much. It was really good. I, I just wanted to get in there with the first question there as well. Uh, so, as a writer, how do you go about f starting the book? I mean, where do you where do mm -hmm. you find the starting point? What was your inspiration for that? Well, it, it usually is uh, an image that gets stuck in my head, and right. then that usually forms the first scene of the story. Yeah. 
Um, so in this case, it was the whale on the rooftop. And I find that a very striking visual image is always where I begin with my stories. And in fact, I did actually. So I, I, I make my notes by hand, in fact. Mm. So I have lots of, I have a whole huge pile of notebooks that I've kind of, of accrued. Um, and when I'm writing, I often catch myself doodling as well. So it was actually me doodling drawings of whales on rooftops that started the process for me. Um, the sea yeah. was very interesting for me the sea coming in and the tide going mm. back out again and and i was you know thinking about well where's this is going to go where's the you know it's just amazing it just really had me uh hooked uh, right from the start just beautifully you write so beautifully uh, and i wonder how you find found yourself writing this book five years ago what was happening in your life that because you're a very young writer if you don't mind me saying um <laughs> so uh, how, what did you do where were you in your life that kind of prompted that um, so I had actually, I just finished my PhD, so I'm uh, a geneticist, is my day job. Um, and I'd finished my PhD and I was sort of a bit, feeling a bit lost and in need of direction. So I actually went, um, decided to go backpacking um, for a few months. And it was sort of during that process of, I was actually, I think, in, I was in Sweden, in um, Stockholm, when and they have this amazing museum there where it's called the Vasa Museum and it's this giant old ship inside a museum by the sea um, and something about thinking about a world where the, the sea is kind of risen and sort of over, overtaken the buildings um, where the buildings and the sea are kind of one, kind of mixed in together. Uh, that, that's kind of where this, I realised I really wanted to write a story about a city in the sea um so yeah it kind of it, and, I, and I, I it wasn't the first novel i tried to get published i'd previously written another fantasy story oh um which i tried on un, un, unsuccessfully to get published so i there was also a little bit of like i was feeling a little bit bruised and wounded from having not published that and kind of searching for new stories to inspire me brilliant if you had some advice for young writers who are listening to this where where should they start um i think just i i know it's it's a very often given piece of advice but i think just reading as much as you can is always the best place just immersing yourself in stories of it, and not just books any kind of story is, is i think a great place to to start kind of crafting your own stories you know, i read a lot of comic books as a kid a lot of um you know i was really into tintin and calvin and Hobbes, and they've i think profoundly affected my approach to stories and you know it doesn't even you know it doesn't matter if they're good stories or, or bad stories or somewhere in the middle i think there's so much to be learned just from just from consuming as many stories as you can ah tintin fanny eh? <laughs> <Yeah>, very <laughs> good <laughs> <laughs> well it speaks volumes i think about you i have so enjoyed chatting to you thank you so much Thanks. indeed i had no idea uh, dr murray at all so mm. uh, congratulations and thank you Thanks so much it's much. a brilliant title i'm i wish you the, all the continued success in the world it's absolutely stunning and you're working on a, a sequel to that or yes, a a could, could, can you tell us a little bit about that uh yeah i mean i don't want to give too much away of course but, um, of course uh, it is the sequel to Orphans of the Tide. Um, the it, uh, uh, the title is yet to be released, so I'm going to I'm keeping that okay, keeping that a secret. But 
uh, is a, a brand new adventure for uh, the the protagonists of the first book. Okay. Um, in which they're going to be challenged in all sorts of new ways, um, and it's in in a, in a whole new setting. So, brilliant! It should hopefully be very exciting. Good. But and when are you expecting to publish that? Uh, early twenty twenty one. Okay, so we've got a little while to read the first yeah. one. So that's good. Yeah, <laughs> Nothing too strenuous at the moment because we're exhausted. Uh, Struan, I've loved this. Thank you so much indeed for Thank joining us. I'm really, really, really grateful. To to you. Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, I'm Struan Murray. I'm the author of Orphans of the Tide, and you're listening to radioblogging.net. Fantastic stuff. And really interesting again, Russell, that we... Uh, it, it, in school, it strikes me that you get rushed into... You know, it's Friday morning, uh, you have to write a story and you're rushed into it without all the preparation. All of our authors have talked about research, have talked about preparation, um, have talked about reading around the subject, finding and Struan talking there about, you know, going to the museum, finding out about whales. Um, so, yeah, I think it's true. You can't write out of nothingness. You need stuff in your head that will trigger off imaginative ideas and images and little stories start to arise. Struan's very kindly written quite a long response on the Padlet, and no doubt we'll do another because I can see lots and lots of people are picking up on it and uh, writing comments in. Do respond, folks, not just to the reading, but also to what you picked up from the interview, because we are learning a lot about being writers um, from the interviews uh, that uh, our writers so kindly and generously give us. I think we need to... Uh, move if we go back and if you go back to the main page and remember this is up all day so you can always pop back later in the afternoon and read uh, other bits and bobs that the children will have posted and uh, teachers and sometimes we get writers posting bits but if you come back onto the main page you can see back to the blue door go down to the larger image of the blue door and we are now going to uh, do some instant Padlet writing. So this is where the children have an opportunity to write creatively. And um, again, click on that pink circle with the plus mark. Up comes a little box and it says title. Put your name in. Everyone's doing that really well. Drop down to where it says write something. So lots of stories, I think, um, hinge around. We call them portal stories, sort of going into another world. And when I was thinking about this program, I was thinking about how Struan has created another world. It's almost as if when you read the book, you open a magical Narnia type door by opening the first page and a good writer takes you into a totally different world where you live. And at the end of the story, when you close the book, you come back into our own world. So I wondered about doing a piece of short creative writing built around the idea of opening a doorway and what might be on the other side. So I'm writing in now, open the door, comma. There may be, and I'm going to create something, open the door. There may be, now I'm going to just create a sentence here, a descriptive sentence of what might be on the other side of this magical doorway. Open the door. There may be, now in Struan's one, there was a whale on top of... Um, uh, it's on top of the church, wasn't it? A really remarkable image. I'm going to have something completely different. Open the door. There may be a thin candle in a darkened room, flickering like a serpent's eye, full stop. 
open the door. Now I'm double checking. Open the door, comma. There may be a thin candle in a darkened room, flickering like a serpent's eye, slightly ominous. That one, click elsewhere. And by now, people will be putting up their ideas of what might be beyond the door. If you are stuck in terms of how to get into your sentence, just borrow my opening. Open the door, there may be. Open the door, there may be a ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. So you can have an object, you could have an animal, you could have something happening. Create another world on the other side of the door. I think while that's happening, because David now will be posting up hundreds and hundreds of these um, and working really, really hard. I think it's probably time, Russell, perhaps for some sort of interlude. Yes, I have just the thing. And because Struan talked about reading as an important aspect, important contribution to your well-being as well as your creative writing. Here's SF with the same message. Hi, I'm SF Saeed, the author of Varjak Core, the outlaw of Varjak Core, and Phoenix. I feel um, right now stories, poetry, arts, all these things are actually more important than they have ever been before. Just the other day, um, I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed by all the news in the world at the moment, and just thinking, what, what am I doing making up stories, you know? Uh, and then I was picking up a children's book that I loved, and I started to read it, and within two or three pages, I was deep in the story. About 100 pages later, I came out of it feeling utterly refreshed and revived and renewed. And I think that's what these things are so good at and so powerful and important right now. So one message I would give to anybody right now, read for pleasure. Um, don't worry about trying to find something really educational uh, that you know your kids should be reading. Let them read stuff that genuinely thrills and excites them and transports them, takes them somewhere else, helps them use their imaginations because I think those are the things that help us all get through this stuff right now. So I think pleasure in reading, in writing, write for pleasure too. Write stories you really want to read yourself. Draw for pleasure. Make pictures of stuff you love to look at. Um, I think that is so, so, so important right now. And I would urge everybody to, 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 to do all of that. Just, just get stuck in and enjoy yourselves because that's the best way to get through something like this. This is SF Said, and you are listening to radioblogging.net. We really do mean that, listeners. It's really good for your well-being. Just get stuck into a book, immerse yourself, enjoy that, because writing is inherently a creative activity, and it's really good just to immerse yourself in some stories. Time for some shout-outs now. Mrs Eltringham has been in touch again. Hello to you from Skell Morley Primary School up there, and she wants to say hello to Gregory, Dean and Emma in P5, P6. I can hear the whoop-whoops from here, I suspect, as well. Mrs Elgrani, hello to you. Thank you so much indeed. A very good Good morning to B6 class at Bushy Manor uh, Primary School there. Hello. Thank you so much for getting in contact. Nice to hear from you. Very good morning to Year 6 support. Thank you very much indeed for your tweets. We have really enjoyed your support as well. Uh, don't forget to tag the Secretary of State in with all your praiseful tweets. He just should know about what we're doing, listeners. Um, and because uh, we're just not getting any support at all from the department, they're far too busy uh, patting certain folks on the back. And that's not us, I have to say. So uh, please uh, join 
happiness and just kind of celebrating our success. They need to feel um, how much you're enjoying it. Another hello to Rachel. Oh, I know you're listening as well, Rachel. Big, big supporter. And thank you so much for the beautiful tweets as well. Lovely uh, tweet of uh, Struan's book cover there as well. Thank you so much indeed. Uh, really, really good. And a very good morning to Sue Hardy Dawson again, who is again uh, messaging away on the website. Thank you so much indeed. I hope it's not too busy for you, um, Sue. And thank you so much for your continued support. It's absolutely amazing there. Very good morning to Claire. Uh, um, Peedle Tweedle. I just love that account. I just absolutely love that. A lovely good morning to you. Jamie Thomas as well. I'm so pleased you're listening and enjoying the show. It really does mean a lot to us. Uh, another very good morning to Miss Wood, who's another long-time listener. Thank you so much indeed. Hello to St. Louise Primary School. Hello to you. It's lovely to have you with us. And thank you so much for all your tweets and messages this morning. Ian, what do you have for me? Russell, thank you very much indeed. Uh, 16 minutes past 10 here on radioblogging.net. I hope this finds you well this morning on Wednesday, the 6th of May. Ella has been in touch. We'd like a shout out for her dad. Been working really hard as a delivery driver. Emily, good morning to you. She would like a shout out for Kathmandu class in Manorfield Primary School. George has been in touch. Good morning, George. Maya or Maya. Hope I pronounced that correctly. She's in Newcastle at home with her mum uh, and little sister and dad this morning. Good morning to you, Jack. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Adi from Warren Road as well. Good morning. Uh, thank you for joining us. Mrs. Murrin, regular listener. Uh, Wednesday morning, shout out to Stonewood Woodford children and staff as well. Miss Little, morning to all Stonewood Woodford and the radio team. Also, Mrs. McCalmont, the sun shining. Gerald's ready for action and Stone <laughs> School is ready to write with our virtual friends. Thank you. Uh, good morning. Also, Arthur heard from him earlier on. Uh, shout out to me and everyone else at Stone School. Absolutely. Olivia, really excited for the show today. Loves radio blogging, as does Tallulah, um, who is wishing everybody a lovely day. Sophie is excited for today. Would like a shout out for Barleyfields Primary School in Stockton on Tees as well. Thank you so much. Connor, can you say hi? I can. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Benjamin as well has been in touch. So has Jamie. Good morning to Jamie. Emma, Emma, good morning to you. Um, and also Holly, um, that's from Auntie Emma indeed lisa has been in touch this morning claire has been in touch saying hello to all her friends and teachers at coles hill heath school joined us uh, earlier in the week of course missing them all so much from jack uh, thank you very much lewis from stone school also frank has been in touch this morning um as has mina and also Rebecca from Brunel class. This is your eighth day of listening. A shout out to you, uh, Miss F, all of your friends listening from there at St. Paul's in Poynton as well. Louis, good morning. You'd like a best a shout out for your best friend, Arthur. Lucia, good morning to you. Um, that's Thank you for the shout out yesterday. No problem at all. That's what we're here for. We're here to connect people and bring people together. And um, you've pronounced, you've written it phonetically brilliantly for me. And it's actually pronounced Lucia. Lucia, good morning to you. Thank you so much. And this is the interactivity of radio, live radio. You can do that. If we pronounce something wrong, please do correct us. I'm happy for that to happen. I would rather get it right and get your name said correctly across the planet. So thank you very much. Kitty, good morning. You'd like a shout out in Cromford. Looking forward to today's show. You've got the app um, and you're on the website as well. You'd like a shout out for your mum, who's a teacher, your dad, who's a postman and also NHS workers as well. Uh, thank you so much for getting involved. Shreesha, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed. Jacob as well. Loving today's show. I'm really glad. Thanks so much. Um, also to Lizzie, who has been in touch and Jack. Got some more shout outs. I'll read those later in the show. I'll also read a few emails later as well. You can email radioblogging at g 
gmail.com. But for now, we're going to move on with the show onto something very exciting with Pi Corbett. Okay, great stuff. Now, I can see here, and Struan, you'll be able to see, remember, keep refreshing the page because new things are popping up all the time. So we've got lots and lots of ideas. Some people have only done one sentence. Some have done several sentences. We'll come back to this um, at the end of the show so that um, uh, uh, you could extend, my idea was you could extend this and create a whole poem and then put it up uh, as a blog. So that would be really good. Remember to double check, everybody. I can see that some people have been really, really fussy. They've got everything absolutely as they would wish with that capital letter, that full stop, comma after, open the door, uh, and uh, have chosen their words and ideas with great care. Open the door, Jemima. There may be a fortune teller whispering dark secrets, and it's that word, dark secrets that makes you think "Ooh, that's interesting toby who's six open the door there may be a rickety bridge that leads to a cobwebbed room Ooh, i love that well that rickety uh, slightly unsafe bridge to um a cobwebbed room so lots of uh, writing on there now if we come out of that we can go down to comments corner so just click on that one and um we've got a bit of a challenge here haven't we david we have indeed, yes. This is a, a, a kind of a new uh, part of the show which we've developed in Comment Corner. And we've got what you can see. If you head to Comments Corner, it opens a new page. And within this page, you can see what we're calling a live writing window. And we did this um, yesterday. And it was really successful, mm. very fast paced. And so we, we want people to uh, be on their top form and be alert with this. Uh, everything we write in here can be seen by everybody. So it's really important to take care with what we're writing. It's quite easy to send it in by accident if you press the enter button. So look out for that as well. I'm quite used to doing these with classes of children. So I do get used to seeing unfinished ones coming through. So I won't approve them if they're unfinished. But it's very fast-paced, and it's a, a great way for us to submit some sentences that Pi can comment on verbally, because when we do this sometimes with classes, Pi, you do it by typing, don't you? Um, but today we're going to do this by um, Pi speaking verbally back to the audience who are writing into this window. Now, you can see in this window there is a message from me just saying, good morning, bloggers. Below you'll see the image we'll be working on. Uh, please add your name in the name box and take a good look at the image ready for you or your instructions from David and Pai. And whilst we're waiting for the instructions, if you take a good look at that picture, you'll be able to click on it. If you're mm. in a school, you may not be able to see the image because sometimes filtering in schools plays funny tricks on us. So underneath the box, I have put the image there so you can click on that as well and have a good look at it and it's important to have a, a good rummage around that image and find the different things that you could be describing because pi if i hand over to you yes second we're going to be talking around the sentences we could be constructing but make sure children you add your name in the name box and you'll be asked shortly to start writing your sentences after the guidance from Pi. So, Pi, if I hand over to you regarding the picture, uh, what guidance have you got for the children? Well, I, when you look at the image, um, this speaks to me. This is a, a, a scary story. This is a main character who's in a problem. So what I'm going to suggest is let's first of all get our main character into the setting. So um, you could try one of those adverb starters that we were looking at earlier. So you could be going... 
cautiously or without thinking, carefully, silently, stealthily, gingerly, reluctantly, maybe. I mean, get your main character. Now, my main character um, is called Joanne. So I'm going to I'm going to call her Joe. Reluctantly, Joe stepped into the uh, now I think. It's either an attic or a cellar, and it doesn't particularly matter which way you go with it, or it could just be an abandoned warehouse or uh, something like that. So first sentence is just get your main character into that setting. So you can see down the bottom, uh -huh, and David's put up double check before submitting your sentence. What he means by that is get your compose it first of all, say it out loud as I do. You've heard me doing this many, many times, and I know a lot of authors do this. They sort of say the story aloud as they're writing, either in their head or out loud as they're writing, and then reread it and double check it. So let's get our main character into the setting. That needs to be your first sentence. Once we've done that, we've had a look at some of those. Then we can create the second sentence, get a bit of action. Go Well, a bit of description, I think. So here we go. Jacob P's already popped up with trepidation. Paul clambered into the cellar, determined to find out its secrets. Now, that's interesting, Jacob, because I'm wondering whether or not we need with trepidation. Let's try it without. Paul clambered into the cellar, determined to find out its secrets. Don't know, a bit of a choice either way there. Sachin's got in quickly. In the stark room, dusty bricks thudded onto the ground, powdering into a grey ash. I like the way that sounds with the dusty bricks thudded, because you've got the b and the th and the d and the g and the powdering. So lots of heavy sounds that sort of reflect what you're wanting to create. So both of you can move on to perhaps describing it even further. Uh, the room to build up that tension. Oh, Isla, I like that. Jack looked around. Mm, short, tight, punchy opening. Uh, I'm wondering about that looked. Peered, glance, stared. I don't know. Have we think about that? And then get into some description now of what that cellar looks like or attic or wherever you're going to place it. Tallulah, gingerly Amber stepped into the cold center. Immediately shivers went down her spine. I wonder if we can tighten that immediately shivers went down uh, her spine. Gingerly, Amber stepped into the cold uh, cellar. She shivered. Uh, she shivered as ba -dum, ba dum ba dum or shivering. She ba dum ba dum ba dum. Think you can tighten that one up a little bit. Holly hesitating. But I like you gingerly and I like stepping into the cold cellar. It works well for me. Holly hesitating. Mimi tiptoed into the aging cellar, trembling inside. Don't know if you need that inside, actually, Holly. I think you could just say trembling um, into the. Uh, OK, Isabella gingerly. Ella peered round the corner of the strand room. Just double check that, Isabella. I think you mean strange there and you need a full stop. But I tell you what, I loving that peered because if she's peering, it says to the reader, it's probably quite dark. Sachi, the old the old cellar was dirt encrusted with broken boards and stone and rubble. Walls were crumbling as Jack peered through. A large chunk of ceiling fell just inches away from him. Um... String and moss were hanging from the hole in the ground. Nervously, he stepped in. I like your little nervously, he stepped in. Uh, string and moss were hanging. You could tighten up. Do you remember what we said about was the other day? Sometimes when you've got a was and an ing, you can get rid of it and tighten it up. String and moss hung from the hole in the ground. David Mitchell, if Pi responds to your centre sentence, paste it back in and submit an improved sentence. So good point, David. Thanks for pointing that out. So. 
if I make a comment, you don't have to accept what I say. You are the author, of course. Read it out, test it out. And if you think you can tweak it, which might mean taking words out, might mean adding words in, it might mean changing words. I don't know, but uh, uh, just copy and paste to the imp to get the improved. Emily, I explored the depths of our news base. It was dilapidated and very dusty. Then I saw something in the corner of my eye. Yeah, that's that's making the reader think, what is it? So I like that little hook. Bethany, puzzled. Uh, great little starter there, because instantly the reader think, why? What is puzzling? Stared around the cold, abandoned warehouse and paused. Nimbly, she climbed onto the sturdy stone slab and her feet slipped as she attempted to climb up to a hole in the roof. Mm, I like that. It's, I'm wondering what's going to happen next, Bethany. Get the next couple of sentences in. Lily, the shed was clear, but had had bits of wood in it. Lily, just go back, copy that, repaste and reread it because I think you've got too many heads in there. Liz, um, Mrs. W, here we go, a teacher. Shafts of light entered the cellar of the bombed out shell, uncovering secrets for hidden years. Um, I'm wondering about whether or not you need that comma, Mrs. W. Shafts of light entered the cellar. I don't think you need that, actually. But I love that idea of these secrets that have lain hidden for many years. Makes me wonder what they might be. Mrs. Shah, as her heart pounded, Rosie gazed around the musty surroundings. Love it. Keep going. Sachin, the lead roof gave in to the gusty breeze shards cascaded violently i love your gusty breeze i think that's a really nice uh, nicely chosen almost makes it sound as if the the breeze is alive it's a powerful one that george suddenly a clatter rang out through the empty warehouse chilling bone to the core and he's a bit tweaking at the end doesn't it george but a lovely idea i like the clatter ringing out ah mr walker now i've had to tell you off before mr walker the capital letters and full stops so i'm not sure whether we're gonna ah this is tallulah tallulah um Great use of the word gingerly. Ah, thank you, Mr. Walker. You're feeding back to Tallulah. Excellent stuff. We need more of that. So adults, feed back and add in. Thank you, Mr. Walker. You are in the good book. Stevan silently, Jesse crept further down, following every step the figure took. So build your paragraph up. Once you've got one or two sentences going, add in another and then another and then another. Um Ella was scared, but full of curiosity. I like that, Honora, as a starting point. Then, uh, now, uh, 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 get her going, because obviously she's, she's got two aspects to her character. She is scared, but she's also uh, curious. Uh, so get her going, because if she's curious, she's going to want to go in and see what's what. And I know she's going to find something. So extend the paragraph now. Breathless. Maisie creeped into the dark. Is it creeped or crept, Maisie? Have a look at that. Maisie creeped into the dark, abandoned cellar, staring into the black, watching ash crumple down the walls. Actually like that ash crumpling. Not heard that before. Mrs. McCalmont. Now, Mrs. McCalmont, her dog, Maisie, was the dog, the winner of Crufts this year. So we have with us the dog whisperer. Hesitating, Lara listened. The darkness was split by her dragon lamp. A figure stepped out from the black. I love that, um, Mrs. McCalmont. The darkness was split by her dragon lamp. That idea of taking an everyday thing like a torch or a lamp and just tweaking it slightly to make it sound as if it's from another world, a fantasy world. Ryan, the ancient room, room crumbled to ash. Lovely one, Ryan. Like your word crumbled there, building a little picture. Um, 
just retweet that one, uh, re, uh, copy it and repaste. Because if I was your teacher, I'd be saying capital letter and full stop. And you know about that. So be fussy, everybody, with these sentences as a small, hopeful beam of light. I love that, Lewis. Small, hopeful beam of light shone dimly. Gerald cautiously scuttled along a cellar's rusty floor. My goodness, that flows really, really well. Sounds as if it's straight out of a book. I am getting tired now, <laughs> Mr. Mitchell. There is so many going. I can see Lucas and Adam. Lucas and Adam have both almost got their paragraphs. Let's just end with these. Adam, without warning, Gabby found herself on her back. Harsh, pulsing pain emanated from her spine. The ancient oak beams that had once supported the floor lay on top of her, crushing her ankle. A noise rose from the corner of the rose, coaxing my eyes. Ah, that you've repeated rose. I think you meant room there. What a cracking paragraph, Adam. Absolutely superb. I love the way you've got your main character into a dangerous setting and then they hear something. And that really builds it up nicely. And Lucas, a rundown village infested with unknown creatures. Cautiously, Sam tiptoed into a dark room. He turned around suddenly and came face to face with what seemed like a goblin. It raised its club and hit him with a clunk. His flashlight fell to the floor and his limp body collapsed. He woke up in an old basement tied to a chair, the goblin pacing up and down. So what brings you to my city? The goblin said in a growly voice. Oh, I love it. I think we need to leave this here, but we are going to build on it in a moment, David. So if we come back out, everybody, uh, we're very near the end of our lesson. We've two minutes over time. If you go straight to chapter four, which is below where it says comments corner. Um, this is the next chapter. If you remember in my story about the boy who can speak mouse, uh, he's called David and um, the mouse is called Hercules. And um, so I better read this to you and then we'll go to the extension task. By the way, I think Burley Doherty is with us this morning uh, listening in. Uh, lots of children will know Burley's books. Um, Street Child is one of her most popular books in school. Uh, good morning to you. And I uh, hope you're having a good morning and enjoying the work that we're doing. We're looking forward to having you on the show with us during next week. We have a cracking lineup next week. If all goes well, we have Emma Carroll. Oh, my goodness. Emma Carroll, who wrote Letters from a Lighthouse. Fantastic writer. Christopher Edge. Mr. Walker will enjoy that. It's one of his favourites. Catherine Fisher, a fabulous fantasy writer, Welsh writer. Marvellous. Burley, who's so popular in school. And the mighty David Armand, who wrote Skellig. So looking forward to next week. I'll read you chapter four. On Thursday morning, there was an almighty roar from downstairs. David rushed into the kitchen, stomach churning. He knew what it was before he got there. His father was brandishing a frying pan. I saw it under there, said his mother, pointing under the kitchen table. There was a wobble in her voice. OK, you chase it out and I'll whack it one, roared his father, leaning forwards and bracing himself. David peered under the table. Hercules was sitting by a table leg, nibbling on a small piece of something. Nothing there said David in his least wobbly voice. Oh, where's it gone then? shouted his father. Perhaps it's under the fridge, said David, leading his parents away from the danger zone. There it is, yelled David, determined to lead his father astray. He pointed at nothing and his father leapt forwards, frying pan raised. But in the excitement of the moment, Mr. Hummingbird lost his balance, slipped and crashed down onto the kitchen floor. 
20 minutes later, his mother was still fussing around his father, who lay on the sofa moaning. He was watching Flog It on the TV. Every so often, his father groaned to great effect, and Mrs. Hummingbird tutted sympathetically. Mr. Hummingbird seemed to like that. An old lady from Stoke had just sold a bedpan for £15 above the asking price and was looking very pleased. David checked under the kitchen table. Hercules was no longer there. The danger had passed. But David knew that his father was not the sort of father to let things go. Once the trail of some, on the trail of something, he would follow it through. Tomorrow, we will find out what happens when David's father follows things through. If we Now, the idea, uh, Burley and Struan, that we've got running is that everybody this week has been writing an extended story, adding a little bit each day, and the story is around um, a main character and an animal, a pet or a, I don't know, a robin in the garden or whatever it's going to be, um, who can communicate, a bit like um, Dr. Doolittle, I suppose, and they get into all sorts of escapades. So underneath that story, folks, is the space where you can blog. And to read the blogs, we just go to listeners' posts at the very top of the page, and we like to give each other some sort of response and I think we'll do some work on that tomorrow, David, um, a little bit on the responses um, uh, so that we can think more about how we give feedback to each other. I think that would be good at the end of the week. The other thing we need to think about tomorrow, of course, is this competition um, that I know some people have been working on their extended stories from last week. Or indeed, you could do the extended story from this week and getting it up into our competition. So we'll talk more about that so that children can finish that off over Friday, Saturday and Sunday and uh, have completed it for um, Monday. So we'll do a little bit more on that tomorrow. Can I go to the extension task now? Um, because the time is ticking by. Yes, do. So, OK, thanks. So what we've got, if you click on the extension task, is really what we were doing there, building up a suspense paragraph. I'll read you mine. I'll draw your attention to a few things that I've tried to do. Here we go. Reluctantly, Joanne opened the door and peered in. Cobwebs clung to the grimy window. The floor was covered in a tangle of broken furniture, old clothes and torn books. Paper peeled like scabs from the wall. Plaster had fallen from the ceiling and broken glass lay scattered across the floor. Standing alone in the dark, Joanne listened. She could hear something scratching, something moving. She held her breath and waited. What was it? What I've done here is exactly what we were doing just now with the jock cast. Get your main character into the setting looking around. And then I've got two sentences that are actually descriptive, piling those images up to build a picture for the reader. So we've got the cobwebs, the broken furniture, the old clothes, the torn books. And then I've got the paper peeling like scabs. So to make it scary, the simile has to be a scary simile. Um, so I've got the paper peeling, the plaster falling from the ceiling and the broken glass. So a couple of sentences to build the description, to make it sound horrible. And then I've got my main character in the dark. And to really get the uh, suspense going, that uh, your main character either hears something or sees something. And in this case, she hears something. But I don't give it away. I use those empty words, something. Because it's no good if I say 
at that moment there's a huge blobby monster because that just sounds funny and silly so what you've got to do is hide what it is so that the reader's imagination gets going so i've used empty words empty words are words like something it a silhouette a shape a shadow moves and then i've got her reaction she holds her breath and waits and then that short tight punchy rhetorical question which makes the reader think what 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 is it that sentence is reflecting what Joanna's thinking. She's thinking, what on earth is that? And the reader is now being nudged in thinking, come on, what is it? So what I'd like you to do is have a go at your suspense paragraph. You can use mine as a little bit of a model or take what you've been writing on the Jotcast and just develop that, just a paragraph. And then at the very bottom of the page, this is where you can perform it. We had at the beginning of today's session, we had those couple of lovely poems this is going to be slightly different. So this is performing your suspense paragraph. David, what can we say in terms of advice about children recording their own um, suspense paragraph? Great. Well, there are hundreds of examples there, firstly. And I think what uh, what I would do is listen, listen to a few, uh, get a feel for what people have done in the past and have a go. Be brave. Once you start using the Padlet uh, to create your audio post-it note, you, it doesn't submit straight away. So you can listen back, start again. Um, if you make a mistake or you're not happy with it, but just have a go, have a practice as well. If you can involve someone else, sometimes getting someone else involved, like a brother or a sister or a parent, we love it when parents get involved. Um, that can help you with the nerves a bit if you're feeling a bit nervous, but just have a go. Practice and uh, see if you can uh, get something on there. We do love these. It's my favorite part mm. of the day when I come back. Mm. Normally, throughout uh, later on towards tea time and then towards bedtime, I'll come and have a listen to see if any are on there. I love it. I really do. I think it's fantastic. Mm. So mm. bravery is the first thing and practicing is the second. My bit of advice there, Pi. Mm. Absolutely. Practice, practice, practice. Do what I keep saying. When you're writing, read it aloud so you can hear it. Read it aloud. And of course, if you're trying to create suspense, you're going to have to do your suspenseful voice if you see what I mean. Because obviously on the radio, the voice is everything. So each word needs to be crystal clear, but also you need to use the tone, the expression, the pacing of your voice to communicate what, um, to reflect what you've got in the writing. Russell, we've had a very, very big day, haven't we? We have indeed. I'm exhausted and <laughs> I've only just pressed the buttons here. Some in the right order as well, but I'm absolutely exhausted. Uh, brilliant reader. Thank you. So final shout outs from uh, Ian. What have you got for us quickly? Thank you very much, Russell. Yes, indeed. Um, for email from Lorraine Harrison, great uh, supporter of the show. Emma Carroll, great news to it. She'll be on the show. Um, really looking forward to that. Also, Claire Kilgore as well. There is Whooping in the House, David Almond and Emma Carroll. Love these authors. Really looking forward to that next week. Um, Joe Flatley wanted a special shout out to Rebecca Joseph Poppy from Brunel Class, who are daily listeners. And a special welcome to Hayden, who I hope is also listening today. That's St. Paul's Catholic Primary School in Poynton. Fiona's been in touch this morning how do you comment or listen during the show um thank you i'll pass that message on we'll get in touch with you and uh, you can get in touch and be one of our team of commenters thank you so much indeed uh Jacqueline Shirtliff has been in touch. Dear Pi, Deputy Mitchell, Ian and Russell, can't tell you how much I'm loving your show, both as a teacher and a writer. I'm learning so much, getting so many new ideas. Um, 
received a book token last summer, which I've been saving. I've just ordered Cockhart Malamander and If I Were Other and Brian Moses Lost Magic. Thank you for bringing so many books to my attention. Can't wait for them to arrive. What a lovely message that is. That's mm. absolutely lovely. And I know I can hear Pi in my headphones saying how lovely that is. Yeah. Um, Oopsie Primary wanted a shout out as well this morning. Absolutely. You can indeed. Thank you very much indeed for getting in touch. Also to Henry, who listens every day. Erin from Tutshill would like a shout out from Anira, who's just up the road. I hope you're all well. Iris has only just started, but I'm enjoying it. I'm really glad. You live in Lewis, Iris. Thank you very much indeed for letting uh, us know and getting in touch this morning. George has really enjoyed hearing from Struan Murray, as has Dean um, and Mrs. Altrincham, who we just heard from. Isabella wanted a, a shout out this morning for her brother, Joshua. Absolutely fine. No problem at all. And thank you for getting in touch. Lizzie, first time listening. So far, I'm enjoying it. I'm really glad. It's been a cracking show this morning. So much writing and so much brilliance taking place. Hadley, hi, everyone at Radio Blogging. May I please get a shout out from my amazing teacher, Mr. Goodwin. Me and everyone in my class miss him. I hope everyone at Radio Blogging is safe and well. We are. Thank you so very much indeed. Um, Mrs. Cummings says, if my Robins are here, hello. Uh, Safi says, yes, we are. I'm replying indeed. So they are there writing and busy this morning. Toby, hi, guys. Last night, I started reading Cockheart by Peter Bunzel. Thank you for inspiring me. Well, that, I think, for me, is probably a good point at which to stop because that is what we're doing. We're inspiring and we're giving you ideas. There's so much wonderful literacy taking place and we'll be back with more of those tomorrow. It is 16 minutes to 10. Back now to Russell. Thanks so much indeed, Ian. It's great to have the shout-outs on the show. And David Alman's been in touch. He's very excited uh, about joining us as well. Thank you so much. We have really connected with a worldwide audience on this, listeners. And as I said at the beginning of the show, we really need your support. Just put a little bit more pressure on England's Secretary of State uh, because we just are not being recognised at all. Uh, and on that note, we're just about to publish on the website an extra button that you'll see coming very, very soon there with some additional services that we're putting together. Now, there will be a small charge for these but these are above and beyond our freely available 9.30 daily weekday shows uh, where you might but to have us along uh, online to deliver a really exciting service for you to help you with the transition of getting the school back to full strength and we're trying to put something together and don't forget this is our 31st show we we were there for you on the 23rd of March when we were suddenly given just two days notice to close all our schools it would be really good to continue to enjoy your support thank you so much indeed to our fabulous guest struan murray dr struan murray thank you so much i loved our chat with you i really did love and enjoy the rest of the book as well listeners and thank you so much indeed the whole show will be packaged up and available on the website just as soon as we've all ordered our coffee via pie because he makes such good coffee and don't forget we haven't met through the whole of this process these are four separate studios in four separate locations and we just kind of link up and bring you this live show uh, and it's a, a miracle of science i have to say and thank you so much indeed we're back with you tomorrow at 9 30 and again at six it's our big usa show and you won't want to miss that be nice if you could be here for our united states of america guests until 9 30 tomorrow stay safe have a great day Welcome to Radio Blogging, daily shows with interactive activities to keep everyone busy and engaged. Brought to you by Pi Corbett, David Mitchell, Ian Rocky, and Russell Prue. Just listen and blog. It's live, fun, and interactive. And with new educational tasks every day, just head over to radioblogging.net to listen and find out more.